0: Hey everyone, this is Sam, that girl with the curls, bringing you another awesome episode of That Girl with the Curls. Uh, this is actually episode thirty, uh, once again with uh, my friend Nathan Laws, who you'll recall from the Librarians podcast. Uh, Nathan and I decided we wanted to get together and talk about some cartoons that are gone but not forgotten, uh, mostly cancelled before their time. But then we we kind of jump around here and there, so it's a great conversation. I love talking about cartoons with pretty much anybody. Who will sit and listen to me? You know, ramble on for hours and hours on end. It's probably why I don't have a lot of people hanging around me at times. But you know what? It's okay as long as I get to talk about great cartoons like, you know, Kim Possible and Gargoyles and even a little mention of Biker Mice from Mars. I mean, yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna go back to at least the, uh, the 80s in, in most people's memories, but I'm a big Looney Tunes fan as well, so, uh, just prepare for us to be jumping around a little bit, all right? And, um, stay tuned for a, a really important plug at the very end of this episode. It's, uh, it's really important, especially with, um, the the way things have been going right now with with girls and the media and bullying and everything and and just trying to find that spot that you know uh, means so much to you the things that you love the people who love the same things that you do um so it's just really important uh, that you stick around until the end of the episode all right uh enjoy it uh come back for more and i'll talk to you guys later Are you doing? Uh,
1: uh, the, uh, this being the worst day of the year and all, with the, uh, with the hour getting taken away from us, I'm a little, uh, out of sorts. Yeah.
0: <laughs> when I woke up, too, this morning, I was just kind of like, what? It's ten? Really? That's <laughs> why I keep
1: saying this is the worst day of the year. Which is funny, because I didn't know until today that this is, like, uh, the, like, National Women's Recognition Day or something, I'm like, oh, you- and then the day where you
0: take away an hour how nice yeah awesome <laughs> just one more thing the guys can come after us for <laughs> <laughs> oh my god so yeah. perfect no, it was it
1: was it was a combination too of us having friends over last night and so we were up really late. Mm-hmm. and then I didn't even realize until they were leaving at like 2 a.m I was like oh god and it's daylight savings time isn't it, <laughs> 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 it was like that's not cool
0: uh, yeah, I went. To, I ended up going to bed fairly early for myself on a Saturday because I'd gotten up early for work, you know to go into work, uh, so it was just kind of like uh, so. It's, the changeover didn't entirely affect me, but still, when you wake up, you're like, I couldn't have slept in that late, uh, and then realization dawns, and you're like, fuck. <laughs> Well, do you, do you have a, did you make a list or anything like that? I'm not sure, like, how how structured you want to go with this, because I'm all loosey-goosey about it. And... You see,
1: I'm all loosey-goosey about it, too. You know, I got a whole bunch in my, <laughs> this is one of those things where, like, we learned last time, if we just do a random conversation, I'll be able to pull out at least, like, a good ten just off the top of my head.
0: Oh, so. yeah. Like, <laughs> I was just even looking at websites, like, cancel cartoons, like, yeah, okay, I'll, I remember a few of these, and, you know, some of them, yeah, I'll, we'll just go with it, so. Right. Uh, so we're, we'll just start off now if you're ready or sure. yep. cool. Uh, yes, welcome back, Nathan. Uh, Two timer already. Like, woohoo. Yeah, wow. I, I I'm
1: happy to be here.
0: Yes. Uh, well, I have like a, a cadre of um you know guest hosts and, and people who have been on a few times. So now you're in that uh, you're in that little group. You know, well done, well done, sir. <laughs>
2: It's an elite,
0: elite crowd. It really is. It's only like as many people as I want it to be. Uh But, uh, so we're we're basically here for this podcast, which is all about um, cartoons that have either been cancelled before their time, or just ones that we remember, you know, for the most part, and, and want back to a degree. Uh, and this basically came out of, of us talking post the last um, podcast that we did, where we were just having like a, a regular conversation, we're like, yeah, look at all those cartoons we remember. <laughs> it's like, oh my god, shouldn't we talk about that? Yes, we should. I have no idea how we got from the librarians to that, but we did. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't either. It's just that's just how conversation works now. Right. <laughs> like you go from TV, uh, live action series about people who find artifacts to cartoons about whatever. Right. <laughs> it's typical, right? Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, you know, off the top of my head, if we're just going to start here, the the most recent a cartoon I can think of that got cancelled that I didn't want to be cancelled at least um, was Legend of Korra. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar I mean, did you watch Korra or um, Avatar The Last Airbender? No, and see, that's one of those things
1: one of those ones that I feel like I need to go back mm-hmm. and watch because everyone raves about them. And I didn't know much about them. It's kind of during. It's kind of during like my blackout period, where it was like uh, after <laughs> after I started having kids and like mm-hmm. I stopped like paying attention to stuff for a while. And I'm like only you now do, starting to get back in. You know, to what's <laughs> the current you know stuff. So yeah, uh,
0: I can tell you right now that it's. That, I mean, both series are great, but Avatar: The Last Airbender had. Um, I mean, it's, it was three seasons, but it also it had a story arc that fit the mold, you know. So it was like three seasons, and we told a story in those three seasons. Um, so it, it ended, and you're like, "Oh, okay, that's fine." Uh, when you get to Legend of Korra, it just feels like because it's set about 70 years in the future um, after uh, Avatar, it just feels like that world that they built, uh, is so ripe, you know, rife for the, the the taking in terms of like things you could explore. Like the evolution of the bending powers and just different areas of the world that you could go to that they haven't explored or like what does it look like now? You know, that kind of stuff. And it's, Or they could even do a live action movie about it. No, they could not <laughs> Oh, it's not even talk no. I hate that movie so much. Damn you, Shyamalan! <laughs> but we—I uh, mean, because they know they have comics for Avatar to that's supposed to be like bridging the gap between Avatar and Korra. I mean, sort of. And they're going to do a follow-up comic with with Korra as well after it ended. But it's just like—and I've talked with a few people about this before—the uh, idea of bending is is really only good for animation. Like, you can't capture that as well in comic books, especially if you're going to ape the same style, like the cartoonish style. It's so difficult. I mean, and and the suspension of disbelief is like, I know that they're doing something cool, but it would be cooler if it was animated. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that that makes sense to you, right? Yes. Yes, no, I understand. <laughs> Uh, so, I mean, that's, that's just the most recent one, because I know it was four seasons, and they got dicked around a lot by Nickelodeon, um, with both series, actually, but... Um, I mean, what's, what's one that comes to mind when you think, I mean, it doesn't have to be recent, but, um... Well,
1: well you just, well, you just, uh, made me jump to, uh, to a recent one, because uh, mm-hmm. of that, because most of mine are definitely going to be from when I was a teenager. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and there were a lot of shows that I feel like really needed more of a shot than they got, but, but since <laughs> you, you went recent, I, I, you made me think of one mm-hmm. that, uh, was great, and I am so pissed it only got one season, which is Tron Uprising.
0: Okay, I see, I never watched this, um, because um, I was okay. never a Tron person, so describe it for me and tell me why I should watch it. Then, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> well, did you did you see either the original Tron or Tron Legacy? I have seen the original Tron in like bits and pieces. Like I don't think I've ever sat through it in one like full showing, and I've seen clips of the the, the most recent movie. <laughs> so I I understand I'm not like, a Tron person at all. I know, I told I just said I wasn't a Tron person. Uh so but well, I know I, like well, you
1: could not be a Tron person still have seen movies like one time oh
0: something. all right fine i guess going by your <laughs> parameters um but i know like the style of the cartoon was kind of like uh, that weird stop motion n- not stop motion but it was like that um, 3d animated kind of look yeah and that's the f- thing uh, and that originally was
1: my biggest problem getting into it was because i do not like that you know like i didn't like reboot then, <laughs> 20s, which apparently everyone else that was like a year or two younger than me mm-hmm. like and younger loved but like I've always liked uh, Beast Wars, all those different cartoons that were like the CG, 3D kind of thing. Yeah. I've always been like, no, that's that's not for me. See, I used and, to watch those
2: too. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but, uh, and so my biggest problem with Tron Uprice was just getting past the animation style, which I didn't like. Mm-hmm. But see, for me, growing up watching Tron constantly and... <laughs> appreciating Tron Uprising for the fact that it was a sequel to Tron which I never thought I'd ever get and (laughs) even though it wasn't the best storyline ever, Mm -hmm. just the fact that they got back all the original people, the music was fantastic, Uh, loved the effects and everything, you Mm -hmm. know, it was just like there was enough of a feel of Tron there that I like Uprising, or uh, Legacy a lot more than a lot of people did
0: So So you were okay with like animated um, uh, Jeff Bridges? (laughs) Well, it was a little <laughs> creepy, but he was
1: kind of supposed to be creepy,
0: so it was,
1: it was okay. Alright, I'm just asking. <laughs> uh, but um, Tron Uprising uh, kind of bridges the gap between the two movies. Mm-hmm. Um, it is kind of the story of... Because spoilers for anyone who hasn't seen Tron Legacy, Tron gets corrupted, and you don't find out until the very end that Tron is this other person who is working for um, Clue, which is Jeff Bridges' uh, character, mm-hmm. um, in, in the movie, because um, he's got this mask on. And this is sort of the story of how that happens, and how Tron is kind of preparing for the fact that he knows that he's slowly being, like, corrupted. Um,
0: and... So he's like Jesus? <laughs>
1: <laughs> not, not quite, but I mean, because they're programs. He's I mean, computer
0: it's, Jesus!
1: It, it's, a, it's an anthropomorphic phase anthropomorphization of the what's supposed to be like a programming type thing.
0: Whatever. Know? All I heard was was programming Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so Elijah
1: Wood actually is the voice actor for the main character. Oh, okay. And um he's this guy that's being trained by Tron to to sort of be like, you know, the same kind of person as in like a hero in mm-hmm. the computer world and whatnot. And it was, it was really good. I mean, there were some very nuanced characters in it. There was a lot, you know, because this um, character, whose name escapes me at the moment because it's been like two years since I've seen this now. <laughs> but the, the new character, because everybody thinks he's Tron because mm-hmm. Tron gave him his data disk and so when he puts it on, he looks like Tron. Oh, okay. And, um, and so... Um, you know, he's doing like a secret identity kind of thing, so it's almost like kind of superhero-y. Um, You know, there's you know characters who are on the bad side who aren't necessarily bad. They've been kind of convinced that you know that certain things are true that might not be true, mm-hmm. and you know the whole idea of what's happening to Tron and how it all gets expressed and whatnot and. and how it's going to sort of dovetail into what was seen in Tron Legacy was very interesting to me. And at the very end, the tease in Season 1 is they actually had Jeff Bridges. Show oh, up. As hurts. the voice, you know, as Clue. Clue shows up at the very end of, the, of Season 1, and it's Jeff Bridges' voice. And I'm like, oh my god, because they had Bruce Boxleitner doing Tron, Sweet. and they had Jeff Bridges it was going to be in Season 2. And I was like, oh my god, this is epic! <laughs> and, and they, like, never continued it, so, you know, oh. was just I would have to watch it again, really, to, like, be able to, like, just express to you, like, I was hoping it's something that you saw.
0: But... <laughs> you wanted me to share in your pain. <laughs> well, yeah, because
1: you're like, well, tell me why I should watch it. it's like, well, I'm kind of, like, blurring things together now so it's not fresh in my mind. But, ah. Uh, it, is, it is a fantastic... I thought it was a fantastic show. But then again, I also really like Tron Legacy, which everyone hated. Because, <laughs> again, I, I grew up watching Tron, like... I mean, Tron was one of my favorite movies, so mm-hmm. um, I, I just I have that nostalgia factor in there too. Well,
0: and I, yeah, and I think that with I mean, especially with all these cartoons that we're gonna, you know, we'll be talking to, about and uh, you know, you know, touching on everything, it's all about the nostalgia factor for the most part. I mean, the mm-hmm. more recent ones are probably just th- they're better written, and and as we've seen, if it's well written, it probably won't get any play because the networks don't don't necessarily <laughs> want well written. They want to sell toys. God damn it. Oh, uh, and, uh, and and animation style does go into it. I mean, you said you didn't like reboot or Beast Wars. I loved those shows as a kid like and and I think it's just like the style at the time, you know, when they were exploring all of that, like what can we do with 3D animation or? what can we cheaply put out with 3D animation? Right. Because I'm sure if I went back and watched reboot episodes, I'd be like, uh,
1: uh-huh. yeah. There's just something about CGI that's always bothered me, whether it's in movies or anything. It's just I prefer practical effects, and mm-hmm. I prefer hand-drawn animation. It, it, I mean, nowadays it's starting to get to the point where it's not as big a deal. Like, you know, I can watch things like Record Ralph and Frozen, which are, you know, 3D animated. But they're 3D animated in a way that makes them look more like like traditional animation. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, there are things like, there are things that are done with CG, like, you know, uh, Lord of the Rings, I always hold up as a really good one for CG animation because they mixed the practical effects with the CG. Mm -hmm. And they also, so they use the CG just to slightly bend your perceptions, rather than to create whole characters out of thin air.
0: Yeah, it's kind of uh, like a rotoscoping, uh, like the, when, I like it when they do the mixed style sometimes, like, uh, even back when Disney was doing the, um, what was it, Mary Poppins and Bedknobs and Broomsticks, when they inserted the live-action characters into the animated worlds, yeah. I, I just enjoyed that because it's, you know, them acting with cartoons, I mean, the same thing, I don't know how far further or backwards or whatever the, um, Gene Kelly and uh, uh, Tom, no Jerry, yeah Jerry. Uh, I don't know how far back that was, but it's like there's something kind of magical about that where you're like, they're interacting with that cartoon character I like. (laughs) I don't know. Roger Rabbit. Yeah, exactly. You know, Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Prime example of kind of taking that same idea from you know the the Disney movies and just making it with all these other cartoon characters. Um, so yeah, when they, when they started experimenting with CGI and everything, it's, it's really interesting what they could do with it, but I get it when there are certain cartoons that it's just like, you don't know what you're doing with this, do you? (laughs) It's getting really uncanny valley and creepy looking and pretty sure there was a glitch somewhere. Um, but I also want to kind of with, um, Tron... So, did it end on a cliffhanger or was it just kind of like a wrapped-up story? It ended on a cliffhanger. Oh, okay, because that, uh, that's one of the things that pisses me off the most. Uh, I mean, it's bad enough when live-action shows do it, but in animation, it's like you have so much time between when they they start making the actual like you know show uh, that the networks could at least give them some time to wrap things up if they're even if they're on the fence, you know. Uh, because what comes to mind for me is, like, Young Justice on Cartoon Network, and, uh, and even Green Lantern to a certain extent, but they actually wrapped up their, their first season, which is unfortunate because it was a great first season, actually. Um, but Young Justice is one of those shows that it ended on a cliffhanger that was super awesome, like... Uh, did you Did you watch Young Justice at all? I
1: haven't watched Young God Justice God damn it, Everyone's Nathan. telling me to. <laughs>
0: like, I mean...
1: <laughs> well, it's- see, it's, it's taken me so long just to get over the fact that the continuity from Batman the Animated Series through Justice League Unlimited is no longer valid. Oh. And I love those so much. I don't want to go into like a different universe, a different timeline. I, I would rather they did more with that universe because it was so good.
0: Well, that's the thing, like, yeah, I, I I understand it, but Young Justice did a really good job of taking of you know those elements of, uh, I mean, just even a Batman Animated Series and Justice League, but just you know the the evolution of the characters was fantastic. Uh, having you know young Robin, and you see kind of like the beginnings of Nightwing happen, and you have uh, Aqualad, uh becoming like a leader, and Miss Martian, and everything. Uh, ah. <laughs> <It's> just... <laughs> well, no, I, I do plan on
1: watching Young Justice because just it's so universally everyone has mentioned that it's fantastic. So
0: yeah, it. I mean, it reminds me of um, the second season essentially does kind of front load a lot of story. But at the same time, it's, like, it's a lot of good stuff to to be interested in. Like, there's just so many different things happening. You're like, oh, my God, what's happening with those characters? Now these ones. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, but, yeah, it ends on this ridiculous cliffhanger where you're just like, no, you can't just show me that and say there's no more. <laughs> like, that's so unfair. <laughs> uh, and a, a friend of mine, Alan Kistler, uh, he's he actually knows Greg Wiseman, who... Um, Oh, it's
1: Greg Wiseman, that's right, that's why I wanted to watch it, because everything Greg Wiseman does is awesome. Yeah,
0: exactly, see? (laughs) Uh, So he knows Greg Wiseman, and... and you know, for the life of him, Greg Wiseman will not tell him, like, what they had planned to do with season three, because, like, you never know when they're gonna, you know, they... uh-huh, it's like... that's his attitude with
2: Gargoyles. Uh,
0: I love Gargoyles. And there's another one. Let's talk about Gargoyles, then. Yes, Gargoyles, that was definitely what I wanted to talk there about. There we gargoyles go. Gargoyles
1: is my favorite cartoon series of all time. Oh, it's so
0: good. <laughs> it is
1: the most literate series I've ever seen. Uh, yeah. It is the most plot depth of any animated thing that I've seen. I watch a lot of anime, too, which tends to have more dense plots than American
0: animation. Mm-hmm. And, and way more and tentacles. I, I'm sorry, say it again? Way more tentacles. <laughs> I'm not as much as a
1: Tentai guy, but okay. <laughs> but, uh, the, uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, Gargoyles is just so epic. I think yeah. it's the only word that you could really use to describe it. And, um, you know, it's just... Um, gargoyles what impresses me about gargoyles is every time i go back and watch it i see things that i didn't see before Mm -hmm. and it is clear that they were planning things out like way in advance yeah and every time that i had like a criticism or well i won't say every time but almost every (laughs) every time i had had a plot issue Mm -hmm. um it was it turned out to be like something that was explained or because in the very beginning i was like okay if demona wants to like you know you know, kill all humans, gargoyles just for gargoyles. Why the heck is she working with Xanatos? Yeah. And, you know, I was like, this doesn't make any sense. It's kind of stupid that, oh, just because they're bad guys they team up. And then it's like, (laughs) then you find out no, she's been bamboozling Xanatos the whole time to get access to his stuff so that she could do the City of Stone thing, Mm -hmm. where she turns all New York into Stone. And I'm like, oh, that makes perfect sense, and then after that, they don't work together anymore. Yeah, and it's like, oh, okay, you know. I mean, so this is actually part of the plot, <laughs> you know. So it was just like something I thought was a mistake or something that didn't work was actually part of the thing, and I just needed to wait longer to see the payoff. And it just amazes me all the stuff they did like that. And, and
0: that, and that's the thing. Like even with animation at the time, I mean, this is like um, this is but mid mid to late nineties when when yes. Gargoyles was on, and. You know, for a cartoon to even take that much care and time to tell long form stories like that, I mean, it really wasn't heard of as much. I mean, you you had some maybe with Batman the Animated Series, and and that was sporadic at best. It's usually like just two parters, but like with with Gargoyles,
1: then X Men was doing that around the same time. Yeah, and, uh, another show, Exo Squad. Okay. Um, actually did it more. It was very serious. Exosquad Exo Squad was, every episode led into the next one, rather than Gargoyles, which was, there were story arc undercurrents through mm-hmm. the whole series, but it didn't necessarily be like, each episode, you have to watch, you kind of had to watch them in order, but there were a few that it's kind of like, well, these don't matter, because they're not... Yeah. There were
0: there were filler episodes definitely but there were yeah there was always a sense like the the more you kept watching you're like oh that paid off and that paid off and just, I loved Demona's story with Macbeth as well. Like, oh, the, that's my favorite. The fact God. that they even just wove in all of the Shakespearean elements, too. <laughs> like, who'd have thought that A Midsummer's Night Dream and Macbeth and all this stuff would make sense in this, like, context?
1: Yeah, Wiseman had, you know, one of the, well, there is a, there's something that's said in the show. All things are true. And Wiseman has said that before when talking about gargoyles, and that was sort of his um, you know, his mindset with it, which is why, like, oh, Norse mythology, you know, <laughs> Irish myths, you know, Egyptian mythology, you know, I'll just throw it all in Greek mythology, we'll just <laughs> throw it all in there, you know. And that's that's why I say it's a very literate Joe. I mean, it's like if you are someone who enjoys myth you know, this might be how we got on it with the librarians, because mm-hmm. there is sort of a similarity in some ways between the librarians and, and gargoyles because of just all the different ancient stuff yeah. that turned out to be real and was, you know, something that was influencing our modern world.
0: Um, when it, I, it, they had, like, yeah, they, there was just so much going on with it, like, it, I mean, especially in those, those first couple of seasons, because when they get to the, um, what is it, Chronicles of Goliath, it gets... Uh, it gets a little bit more, like, they're trying to go for more mature stories again with, um, you know, like, with cults and, you know, the, the idea that the Gargoyles are known um, in the city of New York, which I think would have been kind of interesting if they had kind of know what they were doing with it I suppose well
1: yeah if they hadn't like gotten rid of Greg Wiseman
0: and yeah. let him control the
1: third season I think it would have worked because that was the end of the second season was where gets at you know people videotape the gargoyles yeah. and it's all over the news and I would have loved to have seen what Wiseman would have done with that but basically what happened is for whatever reason or it, well I know Disney put it on Netflix before that. First two seasons, Gargoyles had been a syndicated show, yeah, which meant that it got over all of the uh, censorship hurdles <laughs> because a syndicated show was like, well, if you want to air it, you can air it, you know. But yeah. you know, this is the show, and um, then with the Goliath Chronicles, it was on ABC on Saturday mornings,
0: yes, <laughs> and
1: all of a sudden. And so I don't know if it was creative differences, because Wiseman wanted to continue pushing the envelope, and they didn't want him to, or whatever, but that's why the Goliath Chronicles feel so watered down, because even though they have the the quarry
0: men, which are
1: like the KKK
0: for gargoyles. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Uh, they those hoods, this, I mean, I mean, mean they're not being subtle. Like the
1: KKK, except those gray robes instead of white ones, I mean, and they carried hammers.
0: I they're mean, really not being subtle. <laughs> oh, right, I know,
1: and, uh... <laughs> you know I mean other than that though the stories were very childish I mean we have a whole story about like Bronx running off and getting into an Amish community and it's like they're just stupid stupid stories that was just like like, I mean there were a couple good ones in the Goliath Chronicles but but of the 13 they did I mean I'd say 11 out of the 13 were just like filler crap
0: Yeah. well and you compare that to like the the episodes, the earlier episodes in the season um in the first season I think when um when uh Broadway shoots Elisa. Like oh, yes. these were these were shows. I mean, they are they're geared towards children. They they I mean they totally are, but they use it in a way that is is very powerful and moving for kids and their parents. Because Lord knows, a lot of parents are usually watching cartoons with their kids. Not all the time, but if you don't have that ability to like have a kid talk to their parents, at least the episode kind of dives into the topic. Um, well, and
1: I like the fact that the show
0: didn't shy away
1: from things like death and mm-hmm. blood and stuff like that because those are real. Things. I I would never say the show was gratuitous, no, in any way. And it was just that this is a fact of life. If you're gonna if you're gonna do these kinds of things, there is a risk of getting hurt. And they, you know, so showing Elisa in a pool of blood, I thought was you know a very good because this is the real consequence. Don't play with guns because you can shoot someone. And this is what happens. Yeah. You know, and like,
0: Broadway is certainly, of the, the three younger, uh, you know, gargoyles, the most childlike, you know, in, in attitude at least. Uh, so it made sense for him to think, like, oh, yeah, I'm going to use Elise's gun and, you know, play shoot and then it goes off. And, yeah, I do know in syndication they take the pool of blood out, yeah. um, which is kind of, it's like you're taking away the, the the factor that's supposed to shock the kids the most for the right reasons, um, but then I do love that, uh, later episodes show her taking her gun out of a lockbox. box. So it's, it's that whole thing where they, they plan it out and then they show the consequences after the fact, you know, Elisa now makes sure to lock up her gun just in case. Um, I, I know it's just like that show understood its audience, didn't downplay it, you know, uh, didn't... The
1: character evolutions, the plot developments, mm-hmm. everything. I mean, it was 65 episodes, and by episode 65, I'm not kind of the third season, this, for the first two seasons, it was 65 episodes, mm-hmm. and by episode 65, these were different people. Yep. I mm-hmm. mean, and the relationships, had all changed. I mean, whoever thought that Xanatos was going to go through a redemption arc? I know! You know, after being, like, the evilest of the evil. I mean, I always like to think that if there had been a third season, we'd see that just because Xanatos was, like, kinder to of the guard, he hadn't necessarily reformed, oh, that would have been way you better.
0: Know, 100%, you know, but. Uh, but that was the beauty of Xanatos. Like, him and Fox, like, they were they were villains for the most part, but you liked them still. Yes.
1: Like, yeah, I mean, they were very different from, like, characters like Jackal and Hyena, who were just, like, <laughs> evil through and through. I mean, these were psycho sadistic murderers.
0: But still entertaining. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Usually they're good about me when I'm recording. But, oh, you know. well, apparently you're not doing a good job as a father. yeah uh. <laughs>
1: no, well, you just said that Jacqueline you know, uh, and
0: Yeah, no. Jacqueline, <laughs> that, that was the thing that, um, what I do like about shows like this is that they can make their villains and their heroes just as entertaining. And some shows are not good at that. It's like the heroes are either bland and boring and the villains are cartoonishly over the top and maybe you like them. But this was a show where it's like, I like everybody, regardless of, you know, being chaotic evil or, you know, uh, lawful good or whatever. Uh, Right. Well, I mean... uh, Beth, um, oh um character God. that I absolutely loved.
1: And I liked the whole thing of like when when he and Arthur are doing the race for Excalibur, mm-hmm. that it was like I could actually believe in this show that they might actually let Macbeth get Excalibur. Yeah. And, you know, play out the consequences of that. And I, you know, I mean, that's the kind of show it was. It was something where it was like you know, you never knew which way it was going to go, and you always knew that they would give you, like, a you know, fantastic story out of
0: it. So. Or that, oh, the Phoenix Gate, the one where they go in the future?
1: Yes. Oh my god.
0: Like, that show, I think, messed with my little, little mind. <laughs> like, when they just, like, and it's Lexington, you're like, what? Because <laughs> Lexington was probably my favorite at the time when it was airing. Like I don't know if it was because he was the computer geek or whatever, because he picked up on things real quick. Um, you know, go Lex. Uh, but yeah, for him to turn out to be the villain—spoilers—if you haven't seen Gargoyles, you weirdo. Um, <laughs> like that was the just messed with me. I was like, no, like Lexington wouldn't do that. He's no, <laughs> like, and and showing like Broadway without eyes and ah. You know, uh, and and, and then Brooklyn and Demona were lovers. I know. <laughs> it's so weird. Oh uh, but even in that, because that was when they were doing their whole like Avalon uh, road trip thing. The another one that really stood out was when they were in Egypt, and it was the the father who was trying to raise his son from the dead, uh, and ends up becoming Anubis. And I th- and again, it's kind of like the gun episode. It's a powerful statement on life and death, and it's just like the fact that you can go back to a show like that, like, you know, when I have children, I could finally get all, all the seasons, you know, barring Chronicles of Goliath now, um, which probably wouldn't pick up in the first place, but I can pick those up and show them to my kids or to my nephews and nieces and everything and be like, you know, here we go. We can talk about this or I can show you this and you will, you will be entertained and still learn something. Yeah. Um, my favorite was actually Goliath, and mm-hmm. the reason is because he could have so
1: easily been like a one-note "I'm big and I'm strong" <laughs> kind of character. Yeah. And I love the fact, and I love this kind of character. It's kind of the reason why I like like the Submariner in Marvel as well. He was he was uh, like a an intelligent savage. Mm-hmm. You know, he's someone that's you know, given to like fits of passion and has this fantastic rage inside of him, Mm -hmm. but he would also, you know, they'd show him like in the library, like reading a book or whatever. I know.
2: know, (laughs) He
1: was, you know, he was the first of them to learn how to read and, you know, and he was, you know, so he was intelligent and there was a lot more depth to him.
0: Than just you know like oh I'm big and strong you know like mm-hmm. I can you know beat up bad
1: guys kind of thing so I really like that sort of dichotomy of the character.
0: Well, and he's awesomely um, voiced by David Keith or yes, like Keith, yes, David. Keith David. Keith yes. David. <laughs> oh, that's another thing we didn't talk
1: about—the voice actors. You oh, know? we've God. got Jonathan Frakes as Xanatos. It was like the,
0: the TNG reunion mm-hmm. on Did <laughs> you
1: know they, they every Star Trek of the time had a representative on that show? Yeah. Michelle Nichols was, mm-hmm. uh, Elise's mom. Yep. Um, we had, um...
0: Michael had Dorn. Jonathan,
1: yeah, Michael Dorn was both Coldstone and, um, Taurus mm-hmm. of the New Olympians. <laughs> um, we had, um, Brent Spiner as Puck.
2: Yes. Um, I love Puck.
1: Bavar Burton was Anansi, the spider god. Um, <laughs> Cole Meany was, um, the father of the guy who became Coo Cullen.
2: Okay. Um,
1: uh, Avery Brooks was No Car, uh, mm-hmm. the alien on Easter Island. Uh, Marina Sirtis,
0: uh Demona. Yeah, Sirteus
1: was Demona, and um, and uh, Kate Mulgrew was Queen Titania.
0: Oh, that's right. Yes. Oh I forgot that was Kate Mulgrew. <laughs> I, and me
1: being a huge Trek fan, watching this show, I was just like, "Oh my god! Oh my god! Captain Janeway." I had other people. Too. I mean, John Rhys Davies was Macbeth. Yeah. You know, we had... um, Sally
0: uh, Richardson was uh, was a Lisa. Mm -hmm.
1: We had, um, oh God, and why can't I remember his name? Um, Ed Asner? now I lost it. Well, yeah, Ed Asner as uh, as Hudson. That's not who I'm thinking of. I'm thinking of Dr. Severius.
0: Oh. oh, Shoot.
1: Oh God, and he's a very well-known actor who's done tons of stuff. Was it Tim Curry? I'm sorry saying yeah, it Tim Curry. Tim Thank Curry, you. yeah. Tim Curry. There yes. we go. <laughs> I don't know how I lost Tim Curry's name, but yeah. Tim Curry was Doctor Savarias. Mm-hmm. Um you know, it's just like You know, this is the show that actually got me started listening for voice actors and being able to, you know, because before this, I never, like, paid attention for that kind of thing. Oh, yeah. And and after Gargoyles, it was, like, Gargoyles was so rich with all these voices that I knew that I started doing it for other things, too. I started being able to, like, you know, pick out voice actors and things. Oh, it's the most
0: fun to, like, just start (laughs) watching old cartoons or even just recent ones and just be like, okay, I think I know who that is. Like... (laughs) Because I've I've actually met, like, Rob Paulson and, um, and Maurice LaMarche and everything. And and I told uh, Rob Paulson this, that I can pick his voice out in pretty much every cartoon that he's been in. He I mean, he has a very distinctive voice, but he can also disguise it pretty well. So there are certain cartoons that I'll be like, that's Rob Paulson. Rob Paulson did that! <laughs> and if you guys don't know who Rob Paulson is, he was the... Original voice of Raphael in the '80s uh, Turtles cartoon. He's now playing Donatello in the most recent version. And uh, he, God, he was um, the voices of Yakko Warner and Pinky and Doctor Scratch and Sniff on uh, Animaniacs. Uh, he, uh, if you guys don't know Biker Mice from Mars, he was on that, played Throttle, uh, and then also played Mark Chang on uh, Fairly Odd Parents. So, he, you basically, if you look his uh, IMDB page up, there's there's a lot of shit going on there. <laughs> but, Matt Fruer was a uh, jackal. Oh, yeah! <laughs> uh, it's just like... God, I have to watch that again. I I haven't watched Gargoyles in a long time. I really Gargoyles need to go
1: back. was one of the shows um, in the mid '90s. I started like taping like all my shows so mm-hmm. that I could have complete, you know, because this is back before like home video sets or anything was you know common. So yes. I started just taping shows that I liked <laughs> so that I would have like a complete. You know VHS library, so I could just rewatch. Oh, know, of shows, course, shows like and stuff. So I've had my gargoyles VHS tapes since forever, but ever, as the DVDs have come out, and since finally they've completed the second season after a ten-year wait, that, uh, I didn't <laughs>
0: even understand that. Like my my mother bought the because um, she used to watch the the show with me and my sister, uh, and she loved it. My mom's a big cartoon fan as well. Uh, yeah, she bought the first, uh, the first season and then the first half of season two and she was like, where the hell is the right. second half? <laughs> Finally, after years
1: of waiting, we have the second half of season two. Oh my
0: god. It's like Disney is, <laughs> Disney and Nickelodeon are terrible at this, like, releasing the shows just in, in, in all, like, the, the complete series or whatever. It's like, if I want to watch, you know, Legend of Korra, I want to watch the whole damn show. It's like, don't... They
1: claimed that sales weren't high enough to justify finishing it.
0: That's, that's ridiculous. That's just stupid. But <laughs> the
1: last thing I want to say about Gargoyles before we
0: turn off yeah. is that,
1: because <laughs> I know we've been talking about it's like, this is actually the
0: Gargoyles I podcast. I know, this entire podcast <laughs> is just be like, well, that's the Gargoyles <laughs> podcast.
2: Which, you know, to be fair, it is a good one to talk
0: about. Well, maybe um, we'll just do an episode-by-episode episode, uh, recap of <laughs> Gargoyles. On... <laughs> it's not a bad idea. <laughs> but, I know. Uh,
1: because there actually is that much to talk about in each episode. But, uh, <laughs> uh, the, um, but uh, the one thing I will say about Gargoyles, the amazing thing to me, see, there are 65 episodes of Gargoyles. Mm-hmm. There are a few that I consider somewhat heavy-handed, after-school special type. I mean, oh, yeah. the gun one's kind of heavy-handed. It's still good. Yeah. And the, the there's the rainforest one, and there's the reading one, which to me are kind of like heavy-handed. Mm-hmm. The amazing thing to me is that those episodes, even though they're a little he- heavy-handed, are good which usually doesn't happen in shows when they're trying to, like, promote a message. Yeah. Um, and those are very clearly message stories. And then out of 65 episodes, there are only two that I even consider, you know, that I consider to be, you know, not good. Like, subpar. And that's amazing in a 65-episode run. Oh, yeah. Um, it's a long way till morning. It just for whatever reason, the production values just, like, stunk on it. And it just seemed like everyone was acting really dumb in that one for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> And, um, and then there's another one, I can't remember what it's called, um, but it's the one where we find out that, uh, Fox's father is Renard,
2: uh. and,
1: and there's this whole thing with, like, robots and stuff, and I'm like, it doesn't even feel like a Gargoyles episode, and this thing that sucks about both of those episodes to me, though, is when I show this show to people, because this is, like, the show, like, one of the shows that I, like, if I meet someone who's never seen it, I'm like, you have to sit down and watch this. <laughs>
0: But uh, <laughs> here, watch this cartoon actually, program. <laughs> you know,
1: usually if there are shows that are episodes that I consider like awful in a show, I'll just skip them. Mm-hmm. But in this case, the two that I consider like the bad episodes is, uh, they're both very important episodes, because they have, like, things that, like, it's like, oh, you need to know this.
0: So... Yeah, because at the end, when you find out who Fox's father actually is, because that's when she tells him she's pregnant. Right. So then it starts okay. off a whole, another chain of stories and everything, and, like... And The Long Way Till Morning is the one with the
1: first flashback to the Archmage. Oh, so that's yeah. really important, too. Mm-hmm. And it's like... Yeah, uh, you kind of need to see this
0: one. <laughs> yeah. It's important. I'm sorry it's not as good, but, you know, maybe it'll be someone else's favorite episode. But, but 2
1: out of 65 is a tremendous uh, yes. achievement. And so, yeah, I, I I can't say enough good things about the Gargoyles. I, I think it's fantastic. Yeah,
0: Gargoyles, uh, it's one of those shows where you, you kind of want to come back, but at the same time, it's like, it's never going to be as good as I, I imagine it in my head, so I'd rather have those two seasons to just be like, oh, man, this show is awesome. (laughs) And so moving on, uh, while we were talking about, like, cliffhangers and all that kind of stuff before I got into Gargoyles, (laughs) because there was a a show that I really loved. um, It was in the same vein of the Animaniacs and, like, Tiny Toons kind of thing, and it was called Hysteria, uh, which was basically them doing, like, history- only, like, with a you know, cartoonish bent to them, teaching kids, but making it hilarious. Like, and I'm a history major, so... Uh, and I don't know when I started really loving history, but I know that that show was just... It felt like it was just for me. <laughs> like, uh, I don't know if you ever watched that, or... uh oh, Hysteria is what I've never even heard of. Uh, oh, that, but, when did that come on? That was... So it was on the same time that Animaniacs started, so probably around 92, 93, I would say. Oh, really?
1: It must not have been shown in my area then, because I was still watching cartoons at that
0: point. Yeah, and from what I can tell, it's like super, I mean not everyone knows about this one, so I'm not sure, like, you know, if if it just was on at weird times or what was going on here, but I remember it because there are these great clips, like there's this this one sequence that I really loved because there wasn't like an ongoing ongoing storyline, it was just little vignettes, you know, like you would do Looney Tunes style kind of thing only with a history bent and so, like, they did the causes of the Civil War as a Jeopardy! show kind of thing. Um, and, and they had recurring characters who just kind of popped up or whatever. Like, their version of, of um, George Washington, he was kind of as-played-by-Bob-Hope-type figure. <laughs> it was great. Like, just Washington would show up and he had, like, Bob Hope's voice, essentially. It was great. Uh well, yeah, because Animaniacs
1: did a little bit of that, kind of. Oh, yeah. That's, that's a show I watched, like, religiously.
0: No, so, Animaniacs um, yeah. was totally the successor to Looney Tunes in every way possible. Like, <laughs> yes. I know Tiny Tunes wanted to be, but I, I always felt like Animaniacs really captured what was so great about Looney Tunes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, Hysteria had this one sequence that I, I've loved for, for so long and used it, like, in literature classes. Um, so they had, you remember Cliff's Notes? Uh mm-hmm. huh. Uh, so they had a version called Chit's Notes. And they had a guy come out named Chit, or Chip, or something like that. And this woman's inter- interviewing him, and he's like, yeah, I can distill everything down to a sentence. Like, all any, any book down to a sentence. She's like, alright. And she goes, um, old man in the sea. He goes, a guy goes after a big fish. Uh, he's like, Moby Dick, a bunch of guys go after a big fish. And he goes, Jaws, a big fish goes after a bunch of guys. <laughs> like, that kind of stuff, it just appealed to the... I guess the intellectual side of me and the historian and all that kind of stuff. It was, it was so good. And I think it only lasted maybe a season. Um, If I'm, if I'm, don't quote me on that, but it's probably about that. Uh, But were there any shows like for you, Nathan, that, I mean, you feel like you were the only one who ever watched them and that nobody else did? Oh, let me think here. I
1: mean, the one that popped to mind immediately was when Marvel was doing what it called the Marvel Action Hour. Okay. And it had Iron Man and the Fantastic Four. Oh, yeah. And almost nobody watched those cartoons, at least in, at least where I lived, because it was like, they were, they were syndicated. They weren't like Spider-Man and X-Men, which were Fox shows and were on primetime Fox, mm-hmm. you know, television. You know, these were shown at like 6 a.m. on Saturday mornings because it was, you know, not a network time slot. Yeah.
0: Oh, and, I remember those two shows. <laughs>
1: (laughs) And I used to set my VCR because I wasn't up at 6 a.m. either. I would just let it tape and I would watch it.
0: (laughs) Underachiever. But, um,
1: you know, Iron Man... So so this is what was Marvel's plan with the Marvel Action Hour, was that they were going to do, like, um, you know, uh, rotating shows. And so um you know the first season was iron man fantastic four Then the second season was also but what they're going to do is they were going to you know uh, if they had done a third season they were going to keep fantastic four mm-hmm. and then alternate in another show to be with fantastic four and then if they had gone to a fourth season fantastic four would have rotated out mm-hmm. and they would have done another uh show uh you know to pair up with whatever the, the you know the second one was so um which was going to be the hulk which did end up actually happening on upn but uh, that's a whole
2: other story <laughs>
1: But, um, but, but, so that in this way, Marvel was going to you know be able to continue
2: uh you know showcasing new characters mm-hmm. you know and, and just do like two seasons with each character, and
1: I thought that was really great, and I know that they had the third season of Fantastic Four planned out okay, and it's kind of disappointing to me that we never got to see it because the first season was really bad i mean I make no I make no about that i mean yeah. it, the both iron man and fantastic four were just awful that first season <laughs> then they completely like retooled both shows mm-hmm. and if you watch the second season of both of those it's like watching a completely different show uh-huh. um, even though they did sort of wink at the continuity they had already established in a lot of <laughs> ways iron man more so um was was more grounded to its first season um but fantastic four was just kind of like the fantastic four already have their powers and were are just moving on yeah and um they were actually pulling out, you know, actual comic book storylines, and, and it was, it was really good. Um, Those second seasons, um, and uh, I think if they had been allowed to continue, we. They might have actually seen the same kind of quality that WB was able to pull out with the uh, you know the, the universe it was doing at the time, but uh, for whatever reason, probably because it was syndicated and it wasn't shown that much, they uh, ended up canceling it, and the planned Hulk series that was going to be their third series they were going to rotate Iron Man out for mm-hmm. ended up being on UPN, and it was kind of cool, though, because it was still in the same continuity, because the fa- there was an episode where Iron Man guest starred was the same voice actor that had been in the Iron Man cartoon, and oh, that's there was <laughs> another one with the Fantastic Four were in it, and it was the same voice actor from the Fantastic Four cartoon Meh. so it was kind of nice that they kept that as a cohesive you know continuity but uh, yeah. Because
0: yeah. I remember yeah. what the when the Hulk when the Hulk guest starred on the Fantastic Four series so that's when him and the Thing like are fighting and mm-hmm. the Thing could maybe have died or something. Yes. <laughs> like they try to jumpstart a rock man with like yeah, power cables. Yeah, with power cables. I, <laughs> I just remember yeah, that the Hulk is way
1: stronger than the thing. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it got to the point where, you know, he just couldn't keep up, and, and everyone thought he was dead. Yeah, he was just
0: exhausted. Because uh, <laughs> <laughs> I remember that, because Johnny got hurt, and then he shows up, like, right at the same time that Ben is, like, you know, has collapsed or whatever, with, like, the, you know, that, that whole... um a little piece of cloth wrapped around the head from where you've had a head injury, just to let you know they've had a head injury. <laughs> and he's like, hey guys, what's going on? like, oh no, Ben! <laughs> well, that, I actually,
1: that's one of my favorite episodes, actually, because I, I think, I really wish the people who are making Fantastic Four movies watched that show uh-huh. and paid attention with to how they did Doom. Yeah. Because Doom was perfect on that Fantastic Four cartoon. Oh, he also shows up in an episode of The Incredible Hulk later. Oh, uh, not the same one with the Fantastic Four. It's a separate one where he's going to use the Hulk to, uh, to to use against the U.S. military. Like you do. Yeah, like you do. And <laughs> that's also the one where he ends up giving the blood transfusion to his uh, cousin so that we get She-Hulk. Oh, Hulk man,
0: also. She-Hulk!
1: Yes, yeah, yeah, they, the She-Hulk was done really well, too. But, but but yeah, but I do the Doom episodes in Fantastic Four,
0: and Doom is one of my favorite villains of all time,
1: mm-hmm. they just did the right, they just did it perfectly to me of this guy is this, like, really awesome, like, Genius, not only in technical matters, but he's well read. He quotes Shakespeare or mm-hmm. you know whatever piece of literature and whatnot. I'm like, this is what you need. You need Doom to be this guy that's horribly villainous, but he comes off as incredibly charming. Yeah, and that's not what we've gotten in the you know the movie version of, of Doom. You know, it was no. you know this kind of sleazy scumbaggy kind of character. That's, it's uh,
0: it's <laughs> no, it's like the same Lex, like um like Lex Luthor. <laughs> Uh, so Lex Luthor in the like the Superman animated series and the Justice League stuff, best version of the character since the comics because he's still likable but he's an asshole, um, and and that's what you kind of like about him. Like he's a they're good villains. The same with Doctor Doom. Whereas the movies have seemed to like not be able to understand that you can have a likable villain, uh, like to an, to the extent that you're like. Yeah, I know he's the villain, but I still kind of, you know, dig what this guy's doing, or whatever. And I want the hero to defeat him, but they're still pretty awesome as villains. Uh-huh. And the cartoons pick up on that and do really well with them, but the movies just can't, you know, quite crack that nut. Well, it's
1: funny, the movies seem to almost think their audience is dumber than the cartoon does. That it's like, oh, we've got to make this guy... Over the top villainous, Mm -hmm. you know, to to sell it, you know, that he's a villain because otherwise the kids might be confused or whatever. It's like, well, the cartoon's (laughs) letting us have a more nuanced villain than you are, and that's you know primarily aimed at kids, even though adults may be watching. You know, oh exactly,
0: and and that's one of the more frustrating things too, like especially when you're talking superhero cartoons, you know, to an extent uh because yeah you you look at um Batman the animated series Superman the animated series the X-Men um and then yeah like Iron Man Fantastic 4 and even like the Spider-Man series which uh, I wasn't too keen on but that was for different reasons <laughs> it was mostly because he just kept talking like the whole time like he just kept monologuing like dude shut up and fight the guy <laughs> I was so, I, I would get so mad at this at the Spider-Man cartoon, because I'm just like, just quit talking about what you're going to do, and just do it. <laughs> they were trying to think of a way of doing word balloons in an animated medium. Oh, it failed stuff. spectacularly. I mean, or thought balloons, I mean. Yeah, like, I loved uh, Spectacular Spider-Man way more than that uh, early 90s Spider-Man <laughs> But well, um, the
1: 90s Spider-Man had other problems I, 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 won't, I won't get into that Because that's definitely a show that at least had a long run Yeah, so. exactly <laughs>
0: um, But yeah, it's the whole thing with uh, with cartoons yeah, To a degree like they, they treat their audiences Like they're not idiots They're just like, hey, we're going to give you a, a story And we trust that you're going to follow it uh, Especially with the superhero stuff It's just like, yeah, Batman's going to go through Some rough shit, but guess what We think that you can handle this And learn something from it <laughs> And that's why you get beloved series like Batman Animated Series, Justice League, uh, X Men. Rachel Gould, another character I
1: absolutely love. Mm-hmm.
0: And, you know, I mean, with DC.
1: My almost my entire exposure to DC is through the well, first Super Friends, but we'll forget about that. <laughs> but then through the stuff that started with that in the animated series, through Justice League, mm-hmm. and um, you know, I really like those nuanced characters. It's like Ra's al Ghul is this horrible guy, but he's doing it for these reasons that he thinks are perfectly legitimate. Of course, so it's different from someone like a Joker or somebody else who's just a deranged maniac. You know, I mean, because this this guy actually thinks he's doing good for the world. Mm-hmm. You know, and I really like that. You know, Magnus. Nito is another character I think is just super fascinating because it's like this guy who's just been kicked so many times in his life that he's just like never again Mm -hmm. you know and and I I like characters who have those kinds of motivations that it's not just like I like hurting people those kinds of people do exist and I think it's good to represent them in comics mm -hmm. but you know I I like the the villains that have a little bit more going on upstairs
0: and I think that's also the benefit of, of long form storytelling especially with like animated shows or with you know live action and series and everything. Yeah, movies have a more difficult time because they've only got like two hours, supposedly, unless you're in a franchise now, which everything is. Um, but at the time, you know, you had such care put into long form storytelling with these cartoons, especially, you know, about 92 on with characters because they started really focusing on that. You know, they were like, hey, we can still do like multiple arcs and filler episodes and all this kind of stuff and still make it entertaining, and the kids will follow the story. They will still know what's happening. We don't have to go do some stupid recap every time. <laughs> um, and I feel like nowadays, like, some shows have, have, you know, kind of maintained that philosophy, but then you've got a lot of shows, like, on Cartoon Network or um, Nickelodeon and Disney Channel that are just like, we don't trust that you can follow anything for more than five seconds. (laughs) Like, like, let's insult the children and their families and make it god-awful to begin with.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, I was always really disappointed because, you know, I came into that renaissance uh, of cartoons that, that started happening in the early 90s because I was kind of hitting an age about that point, you know, 92 or so. Where, you know, I was I was becoming a teenager, mm-hmm. and, you know, I was at that age where most kids start giving up cartoons and, and, you know, going into live action, and I was kind of getting to that mold, and it's the X-Men that brought me back, yeah, you know, it's X-Men. that long-form storytelling and going, like, oh, so you can actually you know you can actually tell deeper stories with cartoons they don't have to be like kind of silly slapstick mm-hmm. you know kind of stuff i mean then we saw that art form perfected with animaniacs a few years later oh, but, of course. Mm-hmm. but you know but i was kind of you know segmenting cartoons into you know there's kind of like you know the dumb silly cartoons for little kids mm-hmm. and now there's like these darker you know Batman the animated series x-men then gargoyles followed it's like wow this is some deep stuff yeah, you know, in cartoons, you know, and that's what brought me back into cartoons, and I never went away,
0: you know. I, and I feel like you know, stuff with um, Avatar and like Legend of Korra, like that's that's picking up on what those cartoons did. Like it's it's long form arc based storytelling with mature themes. That's going like we're not dumbing this down for the audience.
1: Right, right. But what disappointed me was uh, like when I got to like you know seventeen, eighteen, like say ninety eight, ninety nine, or so. Mm-hmm. It seemed like that we we lost that era. You yeah, know, it's like um, you know, WB was still was doing Batman Beyond at that point, which was still keeping you know that that DC legacy going. Also, an awesome, much, right, yeah, also an awesome show that should have been brought back. Awesome show, but uh, you know, for the most part, like I was watching, you know, flipping through Saturday morning, there was no more of that kind of cartoon on anymore, and you know, I was getting you know, kind of bummed about it. That it was like, where where is this kind of storytelling now? I it's come back. It know,
0: has, but, and it has, it, it has in terms of the storytelling, but I think that. So what, what was really interesting, because do um, you know the story of how Batman Beyond was created, right? Uh, no, actually, I no. don't. So uh, Batman Beyond was created because WB basically mandated that they make a show about a younger Batman uh, to sell toys. Uh... That was the whole thing. They wanted to, like, young it up a lot more. And so Bruce Timm and his production staff, because that was about the time that... Um, Uh, the animated series went off the air and they hadn't quite gotten into, they hadn't started Justice League yet. So Batman Beyond kind of bridged that um, for a bit. But so it was them all being like, we want kind of like a Buffy the Vampire Slayer type feel to go to it. And so they created Batman Beyond um, within the same universe. So it was uh, like this whole idea of trying to sell more toys, appeal to a younger audience um, which is interesting because Batman Beyond ended up having some pretty damn dark shit going on (laughs) It's like then you watch the return of the joke. You're like, what? <laughs> um, but uh, but that's where that kind of came out of. And I feel like in in that vein, it it was kind of like the the network starting to really go for toy sales. And that practice really hasn't ended because um, there was the Have you ever listened to Fat Man on Batman uh, Kevin Smith's podcast? No, I haven't. So there's an episode where he's talking to Paul Dini. Um, who, you know, did all the animated series and everything for, for WB and Batman and everything. And they go into great length about the fact that, you know, networks like Cartoon Network and Disney and well, maybe not Disney, but Nickelodeon and everything they are so keen on getting toys sold that they have wholly, like, looked at, like, girls as an audience and said, like, no, they don't buy toys. We need to appeal yeah, to the I've
2: boys. Of this, even though I didn't listen to the podcast. Yeah.
0: So... It's a mentality that's very strange to me, but, yeah, it's this this old-school mentality of, like, who your audience is. And networks don't seem to understand that. They're like, well, we made a superhero show, and why are girls watching it? It's like, because girls like superhero shows, you idiot.
1: (laughs) Well, I will say, Batman Beyond, I hated the character of Dana. I didn't know why Terry, like, never broke up. Well, they did break up, I guess, a couple of times. But it's like, I don't know why he ever went back to her. Uh It's like... I was like, Terry should be dating Max because Max was awesome.
0: Well, even, though, <laughs> um, even 10, like when they created the character of right. Melanie. Yeah, okay.
1: I mean, anyone, I mean, because it was like, you know, because I was hoping that they would go for more of like a Spider Man feel in the sense of he's a teenager, he's going to date multiple people in his mm-hmm. life. But even when they brought it into Justice League, you know, he ends up getting married to date I'm Like, there's no way that relationship lasted that long. Okay? <laughs> I mean, this is not, I mean, uh, so, so there were some things there not like that and beyond didn't quite have the same level of, you know, like story building that the first two had, uh you yeah. know to see Superman, but um, there
0: are definitely just... episodes that, you know, kind of fall fall by the wayside there, but I think like, yeah, as an as a continuation of the animated series in that universe, and I I especially love that they wrapped it up in Justice League. Uh, they didn't have the ability to wrap it up on their own show.
1: Uh, Another spoilers thing. Okay. Mm
0: -hmm. Making him
1: actually Bruce Wayne's like son though. I hated. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. (laughs) I want that part to be stricken from it. But otherwise I like it. It It's just that I felt like was so heavy handed and unnecessary.
0: Yeah. Um, it was,
1: they didn't need that extra link.
0: No, it did, and then it all it got me wondering was like, so does that mean his little brother is also Bruce's son? Because <laughs> his his brother had the same dark hair and complexion and everything, so it's like I'm pretty sure they just replaced all of his father's DNA with Bruce's. <laughs> so his younger brother is also related to Bruce Wayne. <laughs> but I will say this about
1: Batman Beyond best Mr. Freeze uh, episode since Heart of Ice. Oh my god, yeah. Batman Beyond That. Because they they got it right finally, because the Batman the Animated Series had brought back Mr. Freeze like three extra times, and each time it was like, no, you're ruining him, you're ruining him, you're ruining <laughs> him. And I guess Heart of Ice to me is like that and the Demon's Head are like the two best Batman the Animated Series you know episodes. Yeah, if you were going to
0: show someone an episode of Batman the Animated Series, you definitely, I mean, I think you know 9 times out of 10 most people would just say heart of ice you know right. yeah and and um, you know the whole
1: idea of this being a tragic figure mm-hmm. you know because of bringing his wife back i thought was a stupid move the whole thing where, like you know he lost his body it's kind of stupid mm-hmm. like, but that and beyond it was like yes this is right you know you give him what he thinks is a second chance only to have it taken away from him mm-hmm. they, they 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 fixed the mister freeze problem and it was like oh <laughs> This, this, that episode was fantastic, and it's also where um, uh, what's his face finally becomes blight. Oh
0: yeah, yeah, also um, really cool. Yeah, and and that's what I, I enjoyed about um, uh, Batman Beyond is that they actually they they did the same thing that uh, the animated series did, Batman the animated series did, where they got let you get to know the villains to an extent. Like you understood, you know, how they became who they are. Like Ink was like a. Right one of my favorite Batman Beyond villains because you got to know her as a villain first and then they slowly kind of started peeling back a few things. And you're like, oh, she did this because of her daughter and all that, and her daughter's an ungrateful little bitch. And <laughs> like, like, all that kind of stuff. They made tragic figures out of their characters and took the time to introduce them. Um, whereas, like, subsequent, you know, cartoons that have been, like, Batman-based, like, um, Beware the Batman, that... Basically, was the reason why uh, Young Justice and Green Lantern got canceled, so they could do this bullshit series. Uh, I just, like i I've seen every Batman, you know, sh- you know, cartoon since an- uh, the animated series came out, and so watching that and just going like, this is what they canceled those other shows for. This piece of trash. <laughs> like they start off with Professor Pig and Toad and do nothing. With them, like absolutely nothing, because first of all, you're starting off with Morrison-based characters, (laughs) (laughs) but they they didn't do anything to really like get let you get to know the villains or understand their motivation or do anything with them. Other like, oh, it's just weird people doing stuff. I don't know.
1: (laughs) If I can use this as an opportunity to segue, then I'm going to segue into the spectacular Spider-Man. Ah, there we go. Similarly, canceled for Spider-Man Unlimited, which is. Which hurt me in a not place. <laughs> they cut me deep, man. <laughs> Spectacular Spider-Man was the perfect mixture of classic Stan Lee sort of characters and ideas mm-hmm. and new stuff. Which, um... I don't know how familiar you are with Spider-Man comics, but in the er, uh, mid-90s or so, there was a comic called Untold Tales of Spider-Man, okay. which were um, new stories that were set in that Lee Ditko era. Okay. And so they kind of like interwove them in. In fact, one of the issues they like printed, like, uh, if you ever want to read these together to see how it all fits, you know, read like these of the original Amazing Spider-Man, then read this issue of one, told, you know, they, they actually did it to that level of mm-hmm. kind of weaving it in and they introduced some new characters that you know uh, you know in, in the high school and stuff that Peter knew and stuff like that and um but so, so it was a way of, of doing new, you know, new takes on, on the characters. And I almost felt like Spectacular Spider-Man was kind of like that. And, uh, you know, they, they modernized things, they upgraded them a bit, and they took some characters in kind of different directions, mixed some things up that ha- so they happened out of order. Mm-hmm. You know, the biggest one being, like, Venom happens way earlier than he ever did in the comics. But I was fine with that because I kind of like the different relationship that they set up for Peter and Eddie that had never been done before in any adaptation of Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. And um,
0: well, they also know, had and, um, they had Gwen, Stacy, and Mary Jane at the same time in there, right?
1: Yes, yes, and I liked that too. I thought, that, and then Liz. I mean, they had all three of the love interests <laughs> there all at the same time. Because
0: I remember really liking Gwen and, and Peter. Like that's that's one of the things even like the Amazing Spider-Man movies did right was the Gwen and Peter relationship. And I remember Spectacular Spider-Man did a, a really good job of setting that romance up, or at least trying to. <laughs>
1: But, uh, you know, I mean, the, and so, and so it was great because they, they even did some of like, the less popular characters like Molten Man and stuff like that. And, <laughs> and, they, and they did, you know, and, and, and it was fun. I mean, that's, that's that's the really big thing. I mean, it, was, it was a super fun show. It got the humor and tone of Spider-Man right, and uh, even Greg Wiseman playing a little joke, uh, the Mysterio episode, one of Mysterio's tricks was a bunch of, like, uh, gargoyle things that like these caused to appear. And Spider-Man was like, hey, these guys should get their own show. Oh, my God. <laughs> that was <so> good. <laughs> Which I thought was great coming from Wiseman. But, mm-hmm. um... You know and it, and it only got two seasons and the seasons were only 13 episodes long to begin with so Aww. the total show is 26 episodes wasn't
0: um and, did pat and oswald do a voice on that show uh, i want to say that for some reason i thought pat and oswald did like a doc ock kind of thing i don't remember
1: i know the guy who was lexington in gargoyles was um um oh crap he's a minor villain um i forget his name now
0: vulture Uh, rhino no no no, he's one of the
1: minor why he was assisting mysterio for an episode but um uh, i want to say the trickster but that's or the trapster but that's not it Um, the
2: trapster (laughs)
1: Uh but anyway um but, uh, but yeah, I mean, so that show got canceled, which it had so much potential to mm-hmm. go well beyond where they took it. And then they did Spider-Man Unlimited, which was the most dumbed down little kitty and talking about giving nobody like real motivations. <laughs> that's that's a show that is just like, you know, anything for a cheap slapstick joke. And it doesn't help that they made all, like, the Kiyuros, like, 16. So all of a sudden, like, Iron Fist and Luke Cage show up, and they're, like, kids. Uh
0: Uh-huh.
1: Nova shows up, and he's, like, a little kid. And I'm
0: like, what the heck is this? Yeah, (laughs) because... I've maybe seen, like, two episodes, I think, one when it first came out, and then there was an episode of when Deadpool shows up, because it was voiced by Will Fridell, and, and I I love him ever since, like, you know, uh, Boy Meets World and Ron Stoppable and all that kind of stuff. Oh, <laughs> uh, I love Kim Possible, like, uh, Put a pin in that one. Put a like, pin in it, okay. Uh, but that was the whole thing, so uh, I watched the, that first episode of Unlimited, and I was just like, why is he breaking the fourth wall? He's not Deadpool! <laughs> And then Deadpool shows up, which that was actually entertaining because they, they went to such extremes with Deadpool. that was like, okay, uh, that's fine. But I couldn't sit through even, like, a whole episode of Spider-Man breaking the fourth wall because that's not what Spider-Man does.
1: Right, he breaks the fourth wall through the whole thing. Any, like, like idea that pops into
0: his head, they, like, animate. Oh, so they so do, like, like a
1: scrub? Like, no, like, uh, right, so you'll have all these, like, weird, like, sort of things where, like, the scene will suddenly jump to something else cuz it's what he's thinking at that moment. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of that sort of like, you know,
0: ooh, look a bright shiny object yeah know, kind of things. It's clearly
1: aimed at a very young, you know, uh, age group.
0: Ooh, uh, a piece of candy.
1: <laughs> yeah, and to know that Spectacular Spider-Man, which is such a well thought out show, that was fun, my kids love it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh my youngest, you know, still watches it, you know, and it was canceled for that because they think that that's what they need is, is to go for an even younger you know age group. I I just don't I don't understand. I, to me, like the all ages group is the one you should be going for. Yeah, where you, the adults can sit down with the kids and enjoy it just as much. You know, and, and so. I
0: think maybe that that more speaks to that you know that time when you know you had the animated you know, Batman the animated series, you had X Men, you had Animaniacs, like these three different cartoons that all came out in ninety two um but all played to an all ages audience like uh, parents and children could watch those three shows and no one would be missing anything and, and the benefit of animaniacs especially is that when you're little The jokes, you know, make sense on one level and you go back and you're like, shit, there was a lot of stuff happening in this show. I
1: was about to say, the kids are missing something with Animaniacs, but that's fine because they're not
0: supposed to get it. (laughs) Oh no, exactly. It's the, there's, I think there's a whole um, YouTube video you can go and find where it's like the the stuff that got past the censors on Animaniacs or something like that. Because there's like the fingerprints uh, uh, segment uh, with Yakko and everything is like the ideal uh, segment to show people, if you want to show like what they could get away with humor-wise, they have a whole song about Lake Titicaca. I know. <laughs> Just, like, singing it. <laughs> it's like, well, it's a real place. <laughs> I know, exactly. And that was the kind of stuff. I mean, you know, they have women running around in a bra and panties, basically, mm-hmm. you know, and then
1: chasing after them. And, oh, yeah, they're know, there's doing There's all the... sorts of really risque stuff going on in Animaniacs.
0: Well, of course. <laughs> and it's like, nowadays, you won't get a show like that. There's really, like, very few shows that are the successor to uh, Animaniacs, really. Uh what? And I feel I feel like Fairly Odd Parents is like the the best case scenario because they can they at least have the humor down. But it's not like the multiple levels like you see in Animaniacs, you know that kind of My thing. My favorite one is the one where Wacko dies. <laughs> and you have to play chess
1: for checkers for his soul. Uh,
0: <laughs> I love it when people go back to Bergman, and they, everyone wants to do the playing chess with with death Right. <laughs> like, hey, if Bill and Ted can do it, so can Animaniacs. (laughs) Oh, that was
1: so... It was just so surreal and funny. At Mm -hmm. the same time, it was just really...
0: (laughs) Well, it's like a show that'll do an entire episode devoted to the Pirates of Penzance or something like that. They'll do the songs. uh, Or, like, Les Mis. Like, it's it's actually a really well-read show. Um, The same goes with, like, early Simpsons. Like, if you look at the golden years of The Simpsons, which is probably about, like, oh, I want to say about 92 to 98, maybe. Um, I mean, your your mileage may vary on that one, but th- that was when they were at their most satirical, at their most, you know, highbrow and lowbrow humor that were just... Yeah, the episodes I'll watch. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Once you get into the double digits, it starts getting a little mucked up, but there are still some episodes... That are good, but yeah, in the, those golden years, it's just like, this is all good. <laughs> um, and, and so, yeah, I think that a lot of that speaks to why, you know, parents and kids uh, love those shows and why when we were younger, we loved them and now we still love them, you know, as, we go, as, we, as we've grown up. Because there were levels to those shows that you can still experience as a child, as a teenager, as an adult, um, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong.
1: Yeah, no, I I, I completely agree with you. Um, but
0: you had mentioned Kim Possible before. Yes, I did. Kim Possible is awesome. <laughs> uh,
1: yes, yes. T- t- talk to me about Kim Possible, because this is a show I've got a, kind of a funny story about, but I, I, you, since you introduced it, you should introduce
0: Oh, no, because Kim, Kim Possible is one of those shows that you didn't think was going to be good. I mean, it it really kind of, it was almost like this Buffy the Vampire Slayer trying to like knock off type of thing, um, or at least that's how it felt when it first came out. You're like, okay, you know, teenage girl, secret life, blah, blah, blah. But you watch it and it's really well done. At least, you know, I think it is. Apparently your story is going to go, might be in the opposite direction. <laughs> but I really enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> no,
1: the funny thing about Kim Possible for me is I watched it well after it was ever on.
0: Oh, okay. It was like early
1: 2000s or something. Mm-hmm. I-, I watched it like 2010, 2011 or something, flipping through one, one of the cable Disney channels or something. Uh-huh. And I was just, because I'd heard of the name Kim Possible, but I knew nothing about it. Yeah. And I'm flipping through it, and I'm just, I'm just sitting there going like, the show is amazing. You know, I, I had no idea. You know, it's you know, Kim Possible. It's you know about this you know girl that saves the world or whatever. And it's like the villain, uh, you know, like uh, the main
0: villain. Who's oh, Doctor Dr. right Draken. Now. Yeah. Yes, he is hilarious. And it's John DiMaggio, who's a Bender on Futurama. Oh. okay. Yeah, <laughs> him and that, Shigo you know, are amazing.
1: Ron is just so lovable in his pathetic. You know, little way. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Kim is awesome, and I like that they even moved their relationship. You know, so I'm watching it on, uh, you know, cable channel where they're showing all the episodes out of order. So mm-hmm. you know, I'm I'm seeing like it all truncated together pretty quickly. And you know, I kind of like the fact that you know, like it goes to like where they're actually even dating and everything. Oh and, yeah. Uh, you know, and the whole the whole thing. Uh, I finally did get to see the movie. Mm-hmm. You know, so I got the explanation for all of that. And everything, <laughs>
2: <laughs> and, and, and I just I just loved Kim Possible. I thought it was just
1: the most fun little show you know ever and she was and, and you know just her attitude
0: and and when, and Kim Possibles one of those shows. It was the first Disney show that actually got brought back after um because it had only been disney had like this thing where they would only let an animated show go to a certain amount of episodes before they would they would just cancel it that was it like that was a thing but kim possible was the first cartoon where the fans basically said like no we want this back like it, it had more to it than than a lot of other disney cartoons and so they did they brought it back because fans demanded it and it was still just as good as when they brought it back Did you see the one with Adam West? I did. (laughs) Adam West is like the him and Shatner are I think the two greatest (laughs) guest stars you can get because they just play themselves now. I know! Wasn't he like a yeah, something. he was like a ferret or something or like a that. Ferret yeah, or something.
1: Yeah, it was basically like he had been a Batman type character, mm-hmm. and then Ron becomes like the next iteration of that character. I d-
0: I just love that Ron gets like monkey powers and he hates monkeys. <laughs> <It was> like, <laughs> like yeah, I I loved Ron and Kim's you know friendship, and then they actually evolved it into a relationship that made sense. I mean, you could totally understand. You know, those two getting together and everything. And that it wasn't a big deal when they did to anyone else. Um, like, that... And and I just love the world that they built of Kim just basically being just really good at what she does. And having all these people she can call to give her rides to places. And Like, it was always, like, some other things she had done in the past that led to however she got to wherever she was going. It's like, where are those stories? Those stories sound awesome! <laughs> But even the ones you're showing are awesome. Like, there was, um, what is it, like, the Scottish guy who's really into golf. Like, that villain. I always kind of liked him, and I loved She-Go. I think Nicole Sullivan, who was her the voice actress for her, just, like, one of the best, like, sidekick characters who could have easily been her own villain. <laughs> well, did you see the one where they introduce her family? Oh, yeah, the Go, the King Go. <laughs> it's like, he-go, me-go, she-go. <laughs>
1: They were all superheroes other than
0: her. <laughs> I love it. It was so good.
1: You understand a lot about her character
0: then. Yeah, you do. All of her brothers are just like, wow, yeah, I could see that. <laughs> oh, oh. They did man. such a good job of building up that kind of almost superhero and James Bond type world. Mm-hmm. It was it was perfect, like, especially for, I mean, again, this kind of does go back for, for girls, like having a show like that where you could have a role model in Kim Possible who basically just does everything. Like, yeah, I I actually used
1: Kim Possible as a uh, as an example recently when we were doing a podcast about Sailor Moon uh, on John Casting about positive uh, female role models, and I was like, I mean, you don't get a whole lot of those, you know, I'm like, off the top of my head, um, Kim Possible. Yeah.
0: Um, can't think of much else, you know? It's a, it's a bit of a rough new landscape, especially, like, a lead character in a cartoon. Oh,
1: right, well, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, lead female role model in a cartoon.
0: Exactly. Like, um, like, you have Kim Possible. Possible Sailor Moon, Korra now. <laughs> it's like, it's kind of slim pickings at this point, you know? We need more of these. <laughs> it's like Disney animated movies don't necessarily count all the time.
2: <laughs>
0: but no, it's one of those shows where it's like, I, I love that they brought it back and it ended on, uh, on decent notes again when they ended it again. Um, it was really well done. and he, he w- it's, it's
1: one that I've actually contemplated getting DVD sets for, even though the fourth season does not have a DVD set screw, you Disney I don't yeah,
0: <laughs> ugh, again <laughs> i'm still I'm still pissed that like Avatar the Last Airbender isn't on DVD... Uh, isn't on Blu-ray. This is kind of like, come on, guys, like. You're putting Cora well, on wife, Blu-ray. My wife keeps laughing and making fun
1: of me, though, because I'm like, I want to watch all of Kim like you know, I just saw, like, a, a random smattering of episodes. <laughs> I'm like, I want to watch this whole show. You it's know, like, I... Everything. <laughs> that's just... how much I liked it. I mean, it was... And it's certainly not a serialized show in any sense, even though it does, you know, there there were some, you know, developments over time. Oh, Yeah. I mean, You know, but, uh, you know, I, I I just want to watch that whole show just because how much I enjoyed the ones that I did see. It's just,
0: it's a show that just got better with, with age, and, and I think it's a relevant show, especially nowadays, and, um, I think the, because we're, we're at over an hour, but there was one that just kind of popped into my head, so, Samurai Jack. Yes, that was one I definitely wanted to talk about. Uh, let's close on Samurai Jack, because this (laughs) is, like, one of those series that everyone wants to come back, because it really was cancelled before its time. I mean... The, uh, I've had the benefit with this podcast of being able to talk to Phil Lamar, who, uh, who voiced Jack, and then I've also talked to Andy Seriano and Jim Zub, who are working on the current comic out of IDW. Uh, and it's just like, everybody I talk to who remembers Samurai Jack is just like, why is it gone? Like, this cartoon was so amazing for, what, for its time period. I mean, this is like late 90s still, or... Was it late nineties or early two thousands? Uh, I think it might have started. No, I
1: think it was two thousand.
0: Okay. Um, yeah. Because it feels like a throwback to like the the nineties cartoons.
1: It was like one of the last cartoon cartoons that I think cartoon. You know, because I mean, like they did like you know Johnny Bravo, Dexter, Powerpuff mm-hmm. Girls, and then like Samurai Jack is like kind of towards the
0: end of that era. So I think yeah. it was like two thousand or so. Okay, uh, that makes sense then. because um, this is just one of those shows that you can keep going back to, and you just notice more stuff you know i mean the the atmosphere the storytelling and the the world itself was so rich and uh again like like uh, avatar's world uh rife for pickings like that they canceled it is almost like a a, a detriment to humanity <laughs> Well, it was very nice that
1: they didn't have like a formula at all. In that mm-hmm. show. I mean, there were episodes where it was like there was like no
0: talking at all. Oh, I lo- those were good <laughs> episodes. Still, yeah, I
1: know. It's I like I mean, it was like it was all it was a work of art. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, like this show. I mean, because it was like they—they they were constantly like changing your expectations. They were showing new aspects of this world. You know, they were showing, uh, you know, Jack having to overcome different things. You know, and, and it was—it was very interesting. It was very diverse. Oh yeah. Um, you know, I mean, the only show I could think of that was probably as diverse as this, but was nowhere near as good, was Eon Flux.
0: Um, <laughs> Eon Flux. Oh, I remember that show freaking me out as a kid. <laughs>
1: But, uh, yeah, and it's the whole thing of, you know, I mean, that's a show that, to me, the last episode really ought to have been the final showdown with Aku.
0: Oh, yeah, and and it's unfortunate that Mako uh, is, is has passed away since, because it's like, I, I honestly believe nowadays, because with the, the nostalgia factor being so high with people, uh, if he was still alive, I'm pretty sure, you know, someone would have picked it up at this point, because it's really difficult, especially with such a distinctive voice like Mako's, to... to to um ape it they tried it with avatar the last airbender because he died during production of that and the guy that they di- got to bring you know brought in to to replace him was okay but you could tell like it's it's just his voice is so distinct <laughs> Uh, Well, it might actually
1: help, though, that Samurai Jack, it's been such a big gap. mm -hmm. So as long as people aren't watching, you know, like a DVD straight into the new stuff. Which you know a lot of people would. (laughs) Well, a lot of people would, but I mean, general public, you know, there are a lot of people who just fondly remember Samurai Jack and would just watch the new show. So Mm -hmm. as long as it's close... Yeah, You know, they might be able to get away with it better than, you know, like, oh, this one episode is one voice actor, in the next <laughs> episode, we had to replace him because he
0: passed away. Whoops-a-doodle! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's just one of those shows, like, if you read the comic book, the, the comic actually does a really fantastic job of feeling uh, just like the cartoon. I mean, obviously with animation and, and static images, for the most part, you can't get everything, but... Andy Seriano, who is the artist on the comic and, and co-writer, he worked on the, the original series. So he drew all that stuff, and he knows what it, how it feels. And that's why the comic, I think, does a really great job of staying true to the, the cartoon, because it feels like the cartoon. Um, even the opener of each comic has the, uh, the intro. Every, every time you read that, you're just hearing, like, Aku's voice saying it the whole time. You're like, this is awesome. Oh, open a portal into time. <laughs> it's like, I, Aku. Uh, and just even that theme song, like, having that, uh, you know, uh, synth synthesizer kind of almost rap-based um, opening theme, it just gave it such a distinct style to, like, you know, combine Western and Eastern sensibilities. It was just a great best of both worlds cartoon, I think.
1: Yeah, uh, I. Yeah, that's a show that. Again, I watched it kind of late because it was on while I was in college, mm-hmm. and I just saw a couple episodes, but it was something that I picked up as soon as I was out of college and, like, had free time again, yeah, um, you know, that I, I instantly picked up, because it was something that I was like, I gotta watch more of this, when I just <laughs> saw the few episodes that I saw, and I have seen the whole series now, so, um, yeah, I, I love Samurai Jack, I, I would love to see that, I hey they could do a spinoff with the the
0: Scotsman. Oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> I do love that he has a machine gun leg, it's just so good, it's <laughs> <is> so good! <laughs> I mean, if Robert Rodriguez can put that on a woman in what, Planet Terror or something like that, you know, I'm pretty sure he stole that from Samurai Jack. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it, it's just one of those shows where are like, I want it back so badly. And they keep, you know, teasing this idea that they're trying to do another, like, live at, like, maybe a live action adaptation or new show or whatever. But I, I think at this point it's like... You know, maybe just sleeping dogs lie. I don't know. Like, Is it ever going to be as good as you want it to be or you see in your head at, at this point?
1: Yeah, that is always the risk when something comes back that you know might not be as,
0: as good as it used to be. But, yeah. uh, it's kind of like when people are clamoring for Firefly to come back. It's like, guys, I get it. I love the show, too, but it's never going to be as good as what you think it will be.
1: I, I'm going to be branded a heretic on the internet, but I'm just going to say that the thing about Fireflies, the reason it's as, it's as popular as it is, is because it was canceled before its time. Mm-hmm. I am never going to say that it was a bad show, but I think all the people who rave about it, that it was the best show on television, I, I'm sorry, no. I mean, there's not enough. It's How can you compare it to shows that lasted seven seasons, like Next Gen, or ten, like Stargate? You'll never know how that show yeah. would have turned out. If it had continued that long, mm-hmm. you know, it might have been the best show ever. Maybe it wouldn't have been. But we have 16 episodes. You can't really...
0: And a I'm movie, sorry. technically. <laughs> right, and a movie. Yeah. <laughs>
1: you can't really compare it to other franchises and say it's the best show ever. I'm sorry.
0: The uh, <laughs> views expressed by Nathan Laws on the on <laughs> That Girl with a <laughs> Girl, Girl podcast. <laughs> I'm sorry, I got on a tangent there. The, but, uh, disclaimer at the top of the episode. No, no, no. <laughs>
1: Can I do shout-outs? I know we're not going to have time to talk
0: about. Uh, everything. You know, oh yeah, yeah, we yeah, we're 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 a bit over, but that's that's is great. No, what what uh, honorable mentions would you like to throw out there? Okay, Pirates of Dark Water.
1: <laughs> Why did that get a snide laugh?
0: No, it's just like you you sometimes you don't hear a title for a long time <laughs> until someone brings it up.
1: That was a show that was a story arc show mm-hmm. that definitely had a plot that needed to finish that
0: didn't. Okay. No, I'm just <laughs> saying it's, it's been always... a long time since I heard that name. <laughs> well, and, and to me, that's
1: the show that actually started the whole story arc thing, because that was before Batman, that was before X-Men, that was before any of those other shows.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and uh, it definitely isn't as good. I've gone back and watched it and it doesn't hold up as well as you know those other shows we've talked about. Mm-hmm. But it is a show that i have always been disappointed at least didn't get to finish the story it was trying to tell yeah um and uh, i definitely would have liked to have seen you know where that was going um but um beyond that um, also um wolverine and the x-men oh i love that show yeah that one was really good Um, my favorite
0: version of nightcrawler to date (laughs) yeah i mean the, the he actually I, was German. <laughs> I, yeah, I wasn't uh,
1: super enthusiastic about it mm-hmm. um, in, until I saw it.
0: Yeah.
1: Because, you know, I was like, oh, they're putting Wolverine front and center because he's the most popular character. whoop do doo You know yeah. what I mean? And it was the whole idea of putting Wolverine as the leader of the X-Men because, you know, Gene and the Professor were gone and presumed dead and Cyclops had basically become like a homeless drunk. <laughs> you know, was Hobo actually, Scott. Like, yeah, it was actually this fascinating idea of you know what happens when the mantle of leadership gets put on Wolverine, a character who you know has never been you know someone who ever wanted to be a leader. And it's and it's interesting he feels
0: that, that it's, responsibility. Oh yeah. yeah, no, and it's interesting that it's another retreading of the Phoenix uh, storyline. <laughs> it's Like it, yeah. it, it, it always feels like. What, I mean, it's nothing against this cartoon in particular, but it's always like every X Men storyline that I've seen, like they did an anime version of it too. That was on um, G4 before it was, like, gone. Uh, it, it, it's always the Phoenix saga. They always try and do, like, some other version of the Phoenix storyline. We're like, really? Gene has has to have more than that, right? Maybe? Right. Please? Well, I liked, I
1: liked uh, how they, they did every character. I mean, the Beast is one of my favorite characters, and this whole idea of, the whole first episode, like, the Beast just keeps trying to explain to people that he's a pacifist, (laughs) and, like, there's this thing where he's gotta, like, you know, uh, they're they're trying to let some mutants go, and he and Wolverine, because they're the only two X-Men at this point, break into this place, and the Beast is like, you know, he's telling this guard, like, look, I'm a pacifist by nature, but there's only two ways that we can do it. We can either do this the easy way or the hard way. You know, I'm just like, he's trying to explain to this guy that I don't want to do this, don't make me. Please he's gonna don't beat the guy up and it's just like so lovable the way that they kind of like portray <laughs> him as I'm a pacifist by nature. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and so yeah, I mean, they crammed a whole lot of characters into it, but in a way that you know, they, they showcased about as many X-Men type characters as the the whole Fox series. Oh yeah, twenty six episodes instead of sixty five, but it never felt like they were
0: forced. Well, and they even made like Emma Frost a main character, and she was really well done, and and her abilities. I think she goes up against Psylocke at one point, and it's you know it's just really well done, and and, and yeah, the the fact that they could fit that many characters into like. Maybe twenty two episodes. I think was that as far as a god, or did it go a second season? It's, no, no, no. It never got a second
1: season, and it was a twenty. It was a twenty six season.
0: Okay. Um.
1: And yeah, but they never got the second one. That, and that was another one ended on a cliffhanger for the second season.
0: Like, damn it! Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> this one, I can't blame that they canceled it for another one like I can with Spider-Man. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, but it did, I think it, could cut, it got canceled too soon. That was just because Marvel filed for bankruptcy. And oh. They just cut that show as, uh, you know, because it was an expense or something that they felt they didn't need at the time or whatever. So that mm-hmm. that, that one sucks for that reason. Yeah. Um, but also Avengers Earth Mightiest Heroes, which was just about perfect. Really? Okay. And, <laughs> got canceled for like an avengers series that's in the unlimited spider-man unlimited universe oh. <laughs> and it's really pissed me off and it's it's justice league unlimited good that's how good i would say avengers earth's mightiest heroes uh, is and, oh. uh, as someone who's always more marvel than dc and so i know these characters a lot better um again faithful to the idea of everything mm-hmm. but uh um, you know, updated and modernized and putting the stories together in a way that never actually happened in the comics, but still feels, like, legitimate. So um, not slaves know, to the, continuity
0: and everything. Right, not
1: slaves to the comic continuity, but it feels legitimate for the character, which is the important thing, and mm-hmm. still there are echoes to things that happened in the comics and whatnot, so that you at least get the main events and the main backstory-type elements for the characters, and, uh, you know, I mean, you've got things like, um, uh, Jeffrey Combs as the leader, oh. which was fantastic casting.
0: <laughs> Jeffrey Combs in anything is just automatically better. Like, he's, as the question on Unlimited, yes. oh, loved him so much. Uh, that's why on Gotham it pissed me off, because they had Jeffrey Combs on there. It's like, you wasted him. Uh, like, you don't hire Jeffrey Combs for that. <laughs>
1: That whole storyline in Gotham is getting to a weird place, but I'm not, you
0: know... know All of Gotham this, is no. at a weird place. <laughs> <laughs> That's another podcast entirely. <laughs> That's another podcast entirely. And, and the last one that
1: I want to shout out for mm-hmm. is ExoSquad, which is probably one I was the
0: only person watching. Ah, oh, I see. Uh, there you go. Which is a, a 90s show
1: that was basically about meccas, um, you know, but wasn't Japanese. Mm. Um, <laughs> where, you know, people would go into these mechs, and they were basically fighting the civil war, where, like, in the very beginning... You know, these, these, what they call Neo Sapiens, which are basically like a slave race that humanity created, mm-hmm. like rise up and like overthrow the humans. <laughs> and it's this whole underdog storyline, but yet the Neo Sapiens you know, actually have, like, legitimate grievances. Uh-huh. And it's, like, but their leader, unfortunately, the guy who's leading them is basically, like, has all the moral fiber of Adolf Hitler. So that's how <laughs> they make it, like, they really do root for the humans because even though the Neo-Sapiens have legitimate grievances and some of them are, are much more nuanced characters, the guy leading them is, like, a Hitler-type character who's like, let's just exterminate all the humans.
0: Well, we like, can't sympathize with, with that guy because he's Hitler, <laughs> essentially.
1: <laughs> exactly. It's
0: like, damn it! But,
1: uh... <laughs> it was the same people, uh, the same writing, uh, crew that was involved with uh, the early seasons of the X-Men animated series. Oh,
2: okay.
1: And, uh, and it was the same sort of character depth. I mean, you know, characters, whether they were, you know, good guys, quote-unquote or bad guys, you know, had legitimate grievances with each other. You know, there was real character. To, I used to say in X-Squad, it was like, you needed to shout out your full name. As long as you <laughs> shout out your full name, you're fine. Okay. But if you're only known by, like, your first name or your last name, or you don't, we don't know your name, like, you're gonna die. So the Star
0: Track kind of thing. <laughs> and
1: what? It was. I mean, when they did space battles, it was like there's a lot of death That a few of the main characters, the legit main characters, died in the towards the end of the series. But wow. uh, yeah, it was another one that was very sad because they kind of wrapped up everything, mm-hmm. but then the last episode is like, oh, here's the springboard to season three. Oh. And
0: <laughs> like, God damn like, no. <laughs> it! Why again? It's like teasers and and um, cliffhangers. It's like the worst thing.
1: But uh, I always hold that up as the series that was next in line for you know the best animated. So to me, it's Gargoyles and then Exo Squad yeah, are okay. the two best animated shows, at least of the nineties.
0: No, fair enough, fair enough. Um, I don't, I don't necessarily have any shout-outs at this point, but because I feel like we've covered like most cartoons that I would have you know <laughs> thrown out there anyway. But uh, Nathan, uh, thank you for coming on the podcast once again. Uh, right. And I know that you have a, a. We want to plug something, right?
1: Yes, yes. If, if, just for a minute here. Um, uh, my friend Sean uh, from Sean Castic, Sean Rosado, he has written an article for Legion of Leia. Mm-hmm. Uh, talks about uh, an issue um, that happened, well, it's kind of been going on for the last year uh, with my daughter, and uh, whose name is Rachel. And um, basically, the kids at school um, have taken issue with the fact um, that she uh, had a Spider-Man backpack and Spider-Man shoes, um, and, you know, like superheroes, and have kind of, um, you know, been, built, been bullying her um, about it, um, just wouldn't leave it alone. It's gotten her to the point where she's given up, um, basically, on anything to do with superheroes. And, um you know, everything now is frozen in My Little Pony, which is fine. Mm-hmm. But you know, I mean, I, I mean, I, I'm not going to say she can't be into that stuff. But the the issue is that. These kids have basically taken away something else that she liked, and so now she feels like she can only direct herself to things that are considered gender appropriate, okay. um, like Frozen and My Little Pony. I mean, it was mostly boys, but even the girls have sort of contributed because they're kind of like, you know, why why do you have this stuff? You know, yeah. you know you're a girl. You know, you should have you know girly things. And um, you know, this is this has been bothering me for a while, and um, and so my friend uh, he he uh, he wrote this article on Legionalea. And uh, we have a hashtag now, as well as a um, Facebook um, page uh, called Heroes for Rachel. Mm-hmm. And what we would like is, um, especially ladies, to share stories of your geeky interests, you know, things that might be considered, you know, by some people to be more male-oriented, but things that you're into, show her that, uh, you know, that that she shouldn't be afraid to express herself in this way, you know, even send, like, pictures or anything if you've got anything. Mm -hmm. And guys, you're not off the hook. Um, You can either, you know, share the, uh, you know, Heroes for Rachel with other people, or, you know, just talk about bullying in general, uh, if there are any, you know, circumstances when you've been bullied about something. And you've had to overcome it, you know. Share those kinds of stories. We'd like to hear that kind of stuff as well. So, um, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful for this. I'm hoping that it will make a difference, you know, for her. And uh, you know, there's been some, um, you know, some good uh, interest so far. Um, I saw that Chase Masterson retweeted.
0: Oh, sweet. Um, not,
1: yeah, which is, you know, it's kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, um, you know, uh, <laughs> it's like
0: Chase Masterson. I, don't, I don't want to make a big deal out of him, but you know, it was kind of cool. Yeah, saw. <laughs> Jason
1: Masterson, you know, so, uh, that's cool, uh, but, uh, and actually she retweeted it to Stan Lee, so if Stan Lee ever tweets it, I, I that would just put me over the moon. But, yeah, there
0: you uh, go. <laughs> no, I mean, and, in, in just in that, in that vein, cause, you know, how old is Rachel? Um, she is eight now. She's eight. She just turned eight. Cause I can, I can tell you right now, as a girl who was into, I was, I've been a tomboy my entire life, I mean, it's not, I don't think that would be surprising to anybody if they knew me, uh, but... I can I understand what she's going through. I totally do because I was into like a lot of the things the boys were into. I wasn't as much into girl girly stuff, but I had like my Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles played with my Barbies. So I had both worlds basically. And as I've gotten older, I I totally understand that none of this has to be separate. It's all good. Like if you if you like superheroes great. If you don't, fine. Uh, you can mix and match everything. It's all there for you. And no one can take that away from you. And the fact that these, you know, kids have, you know, in to a certain extent have pushed her to like fall on what's appropriate, quote unquote, because it doesn't matter. Everything's appropriate. Like if you, if you want to you know play with trucks and dolls, you can do it. <laughs> like
1: yeah, I mean that's what we've been trying to explain to her, my wife and I. But you know, some people have told us, "Yeah, but you're her parents." So if, yeah, you know, no, actually, I, I get that part. Other people, you know, say the same thing and, and show her by example that you know it's not. You know, I mean, when I was a kid, I watched Rainbow Bright and Gem. Hell you know? yeah. I mean, I mean to me I mean it's like and, and yeah I probably didn't really share that with because you know I, I I probably thought I was a little odd to do that but it's like you know like I've never drawn that distinction you know we just talked about Kim Possible I love Kim Possible mm-hmm. I love Sailor Moon you know I mean it's like things that are you know I mean I think it's kind of arbitrary you know this whole you know male or female you know it's
0: entertainment
1: exactly you know? I mean, it's like whatever you know whatever entertainment you want you know
0: it's so. it's all and that's the thing like it's all There for for everyone. It's not girl and boy. It should just be kids. Kids want to you know uh, play with whatever toys they want to play with. It shouldn't matter if it's oh this is for boys and this is for girls. Like no, they're just toys and they're just for kids. You know or adults depending on how old you are. If you're young at heart, I suppose. Um, (laughs) But that's the thing is that these these kids who were bullying her either don't understand that and are just taking that out on her because they think that that's what should happen. And, and I can tell you that right now, Rachel, if you're listening to this, if you ever listen to this, like you are going to have, find some fantastic friends who are into the same things you are. You are going to find your niche. You're going to find something that you love so much that you won't care what anyone says, about it and that's where everything's going to fall into place. I know it happened to me, it'll happen to you. So that's the best I can, that's the best advice I can offer someone. Um, but yeah, and, and Nathan, I'm really glad that you, you wanted to plug that too because as we're recording this, it's International Women's Day and I think that's appropriate that we we end on this too because it's, it's so important that women and girls understand that there is nothing that's off limit to us, off-limits to us. We can have just as many things as the guys can, and it shouldn't be a matter of male-female, boys-girls, men-women. It's just people, you know? So, right. Uh, but again, Nathan, thank you so much for coming back on the show. And well, well, thank you for
1: having me. You know, as many times, Sam, as you want me to ramble on about such topic, <laughs> I, will, I am willing to do it.
0: <laughs> You're going to be my go-to guy. Like, Nathan, I want to talk about this. want to come on. <laughs> I think we, I think we can arrange that to happen whenever. So. Awesome. Uh, so before we go, where uh, where can people find you again?
1: okay, um you can find me um on my blog, which is blogger underscore who dot dot com um we already talked about uh heroes for Rachel, but uh, let me just be clear on that it's the word heroes the number four mm-hmm. and then rachel um so that's that's like i say it's either a hashtag a hashtag on twitter or there is a facebook page for it um and you can find me um on the e s o podcast um uh, webpage. page. Uh, I've contributed articles to that, so that's eso esopodcast.com. And you can find me uh, periodically on various uh, podcasts on the ESO network, such as the RevCast, as well as uh, Earth Station 1, Earth Station 2, and of course Sean Kastic, where I am the co producer uh, with uh, my friend Sean Rosato. So um, check me out there, and uh, hopefully I'll see you guys later.
0: Yeah. No, and uh, for anyone uh, still interested in what I do. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, You can follow me at Darling underscore Sammy on Twitter. Uh, We have a Facebook page for the Maniacal Geek and uh, That Girl with the Curls podcast. You can also just go to ManiacalGeek.com and read articles from me and uh, my friend Kara as well. contributes from time to time. And you can also listen to this wonderful podcast where great people like Nathan show up and talk about cartoons and the librarians and whatever the hell they want to talk about. (laughs) But uh, thank you so much again, Nathan, for coming on and thank Thank you to all of you out there for listening. Um, you come back again for another great podcast. All right, and uh, thanks again.
2: Bye, everybody.